Hi, welcome all back to the Salt Light in the City podcast where you're seen, you're loved, and heard as well. Um, today, I mean, we're just kind of going right off of what we were talking about last week about the question of why. You know, why do we have the faith that we have? Why, why anything for that matter, right? And so kind of just going to explore more of why we should implement our faith and why someone, anyone, as great or little as they are, would sacrifice themselves for us. Um, I still have Matt and Andy with me here. Hello, hello. Um, we're all pretty tired being worked out from from school and from other things but uh we're pushing through and you know i'm sure many of y'all can relate to that so i hope y'all are strapped in and and geared up to be talking about some some pretty deep stuff because um we're going over a good amount of topics but it's it's in the hope that you guys can get a taste and see some of those topics that we're going to be talking about, we're going to be going more in depth with them later on as we continue on through the podcast. But again, laying down the foundations, laying down the purpose of why we're doing this. So let's continue back where we were starting from about the faith that we have. Why, then, if we have this faith, you know, such a strong faith, such a, such a blessing, such a gift, why would we want to apply it? <laughs> why, why does this world need it? C.S. Lewis. <clears throat> C.S. Lewis actually has a very interesting quote. Uh, it's speaking about why do you love why do you care? It's, 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 it's simple. It's, there is no safe investment. To love it at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully, round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. Now, that quote has a lot to it. Now, does it mean that if you are alone, you are going to transform into some monster? Yes. I don't think so. <laughs> but it does raise some good points. And one of them I think many people can relate to. It's that... Humans are not meant to be alone. Man is not meant to be alone. And I think that's something that we can all relate to. It's that if you spend extended periods of time alone, there is at least some small part of you, for the majority of us, that is slightly off-kilter or perhaps concerned with the lack of interaction. Because at the end of the day, we are social creatures. And like I said before, as humans, we give and receive love. That is, that is how we truly communicate. It's, it's giving and receiving love. And what C.S. Lewis is trying to say here is that your heart is not something that is meant to be hidden away, something that is, that is, that is wrapped in your selfishness. Because at the end of the day, if you look at the world and you say, I don't think they deserve my love. I don't think I want to risk putting myself, my heart out there because I will get hurt. And you will get hurt. And C.S. Lewis says so. And he is most certainly correct. You will get hurt. But isn't it better for you to be hurt or have the potential of being hurt knowing that you are loving other people and you are really trying to do your best for them instead of living a, a life of, of, of loneliness and bitterness knowing that you could have done more but you chose not to? And that is what changes you, is knowing that you made the choice to, to not love, to not put yourself out there, to not 
give even though you know you might be hurt. If you make that choice, you will change. And you'll notice it because your heart isn't the same. It's, it becomes irredeemable. It changes. It becomes selfish because it is locked within your own selfishness because you don't want to give yourself to the world around you. So what does that mean for us? And I've been there. I totally understand because I've alternated from loving people and putting myself out there and really trying to, you know, be the best that I can be. And then uh, things don't go well from there and something will go wrong and somebody or something will happen and it will... My high school dating life. <laughs> moving, m- moving on. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, for example, the high school dating life would in fact do this to you. And uh, it just crushes you. It makes you ask yourself, why would I ever want to do that again? Why would I ever want to put myself out there knowing that odds are I'm just going to get hurt the same why way I did last time? Why would I want to get married? And at that, and at that point, it becomes, well... If, I don't even want to put myself out there. It, the question becomes like, how are you supposed to get married? How are you supposed to find a lifelong partner if you're not even willing to put yourself out there? So what do you do? Because at the end of the day, most men do in fact want a wife and they would like to, to have a, a partner in a relationship. So what do you do if it feels like all you do is get screwed over when you really put yourself out there? Obviously that's not the case. It's not all the time, but it is, a, I would say a majority of the time, yeah. What do you do? How do you come back from that? And how do you make the decision that you want to change? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> the best way that I'd say that I can explain that, and especially in my own experience, somebody that we all know pretty well, uh, Father Vin Pham, one, one, one very famous quote that he would, he would tell the us. Goat. <laughs> the goat. The goat. The man himself. Um, it was this thing that he would tell me and Francisco in our mission year in DC, he would say, the opposite of love is not hate. And we were like, that's not true. We were like, we're like it's, it definitely is. Excuse like, me, Father. Uh, <laughs> every single church class has told me that. <laughs> we were like, we we're like, no, totally. I mean, it, it, like, because if you, if you love, if you love something and if say, say like if you, if you love like a friend, but then you get really mad at them. Guess what? Like I hate them, and that's what you know. Middle school was all about, you know, hating, hating this guy or this person because they said this and that. But he said no. The real opposite of love is self-love. And we were like, okay, explain that. And he would say, well, whenever you have that moment of weakness and you choose to be, you know charitable guy the guy that you know you're created to be the guy that's supposed to be selfless and you know following the real definition of a man who's someone that's supposed to give everything of himself uh that goes from from love to, to self-love because you're, you're choosing to say you know what i want what's i think at least is better for myself instead of better for other people that's not what love is you know, it's that, that quote that it says, you know, love is patient, love is kind. The total opposite of that is saying, you know, I get what I want when I want it. And it's just that idea that, you know, if we don't love, then we're really only thinking for ourselves and we're acting for ourselves. And is that the kind of person we want to be forever? Definitely not. I mean, I think we can all agree that... Uh, that, that life of just being alone and never doing anything for everybody, one, you have no friends and it sucks. <laughs> and we all want to have friends. That is, yeah, but, that's a thing. But it's that idea of, you know, if you, if you never make yourself vulnerable to give and do something about, you know, something for anybody else, then life sucks. It, it really does just suck. And it's really interesting because the second that you do something for anyone else, it means you have to sacrifice something, whether it's, you know, you go the extra mile in any example that, that we can all think of. But ironically, that life, that mentality of, you know, saying, hey, I'm going to love in, you know, different ways, obviously, with the different people that I'm with, that life is just thousands of times better than than you know, the lies that we tell ourselves every time we make a mistake and say, hey, you know what, I want this, so I'm just, I'm just going to take it. I don't really care what my parents think or my friends think or what God thinks. So I think that's what's 
huge, huge thing. Mm-hmm. So thanks, Father Ben. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and actually, hold on. I, like all, all I'd have to add to this is say that speaking of what Andy's talking about is, I don't think I've ever felt more fulfilled and more like genuinely happy than when I was doing mission to, missions. Ah. Michigan. Uh, sorry, it's in Kensington. Sorry, uh, Holy Week missions in Kensington, Philadelphia. Um, they have uh, there's a very bad drug drug problem over there, to say the least. And I remember probably just one of the most the, the times where I really just felt fulfilled, happy, and just like I felt great. Honestly, was when it was nearly thirty degrees, windy. And I didn't bring proper clothing and while we were doing missions for like seven hours walking through Kensington. And if you don't know, Kensington is covered by, there's a, there's a, a metro that goes on top of it. So it's essentially just a wind tunnel. So you're in there and it, it gets cold pretty quickly. But at the end of the day, it's that you're not running off of, and, and I mean, you, once you do six days of walking six plus miles every day going out you know, homeless missions and giving food to them and handing out clothes and just giving them company and praying with them. You get tired. You get tired. I mean, I mean, anyone who's anyone who's done missions can tell you that. But you also find a very common theme is that people who do missions will tell you that it just doesn't matter as much. Because at the end of the day, it's you get up, you're not doing it for yourself. You're not going to school because, oh, I have to. You're not going to work because I need money and you're not going to your friend's house because I want to go and hang out with them because otherwise I'm going to be alone tonight and I'm not going to have anyone to talk to. You're going out there because at the end of the day, it's you. I mean, technically, if you wanted to say from, from, the, from the standard of the world, you don't owe them anything. All right. And many people just don't care and they will walk by. But at the end of the day, it's you're making the choice to give something of yourself for other people. And even though you get absolutely nothing in return, and they have nothing they could give you, really, monetarily or physically, yeah. I mean, all the value you get is spiritual, and the question is, is knowing that you really tried to help people today, yeah, and that you put yourself out there, and knowing that gives you more energy to keep, to keep going. Absolutely. And it just piles on top of each other. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's, it's uh, the, the general saying is that, you know, at the end of the retreat, it's not you, it's the Holy spirit keeping you going because yeah. you really oh, yeah. just have nothing left. Oh yeah. I mean, um, it's like, I think that that kind of brings us around the, uh, to the point of like why we're doing this, you know, is, um, love. It's love. That's um, the principle that I run on. And we're not going to go too far deep with this on what, you know, our idea of love is um, because that's going to be saved for a later episode where we can go into the theology and reasoning and um, functionality and opposite of what love is, um, but as for now, it's it's why, and it's because God, <laughs> like it's because God. Again, I'm on borrowed time, and He saved me. He showed me a love that I never knew existed, that I so badly wanted to believe existed. And then realize that, like, well, it exists for me. But not just for me, it exists for you. And it exists specifically on the cross. Because why would the biggest loser die? Why would the biggest loser, like, who, who, bro? Be real with me for a second. This man, Jesus, born in a manger because there wasn't enough space in the inn. Because nobody wanted to make space for the parents. So they went to the countryside. Cold. The middle of winter. Into a cave. 
and laid him where the animals feed. That's where the Virgin Mary gave birth, was in a dark cave. And how did he die? Oh, yeah. He was rejected by his people, taken to court, beaten, scourged, and whipped at a pillar, which, by the way, those whips had hooks on them, and they used other torture devices to beat and batter him as they spat on him and mocked him. And after that, it still wasn't enough. No, they said, they said, crucify him, crucify him. They gave him a cross to walk nine miles and walk up a hill for him to be crucified on. Is that not the world's greatest story of failure? But if you're Christian... And you have a cross tattoo, or you wear a cross chain, or you have a rosary, or you have anything with a cross on it. First of all, if you're wearing one of those, you better be living like it. Because if you're not living like it, why wear it? Otherwise, literally, you're just wearing the the world's biggest failure around your, your around your neck around your ear that makes you a hypocrite but if you truly believe it and truly live by it then you know it means everything it means victory it means freedom it means eternal happiness that's what love is. That's the ultimate example of love. And I'll be honest, man, I'm I'm a bit scared in part in, in, in some ways, you know. I'm a bit scared in some ways because he's Christ is aware of the sort of consequences, sort of this sort of heat, sort of attention it might get. And he knows the sort of distrust that I have towards him and all the things that he wants me to do in my life. A man named Marcus Stanley put out a tweet saying he died for me knowing I might not ever want him. What a love. What a love. I'll live for that. And I live for that. I live for that. What do you live for? Why do you live for it? Do you live for alcohol? Because things have gone too hard and you just, just need another drink, another beer, another shot of whiskey, another shot of vodka, or just another good time with the boys, or just to even reminisce of what it felt like back in high school, or even back in college, depending on how old you are listening. Do you live for sex? Do you live for porn? For the savage image of what a woman's beauty is and just looking at her body and thinking, oh, I want to just devour that and then moving on to the next woman and thinking the same thing. The idea that lock that could be opened by many keys is a crappy lock, but a key that can open many locks is a master key. The idea of that in relation to sexuality is that key that unlocks many locks is a destructive key. And the lock that's unlocked by many keys is no lock at all. So that saying dilutes all of sexuality to, to the point that there's no point in it, you know? And we got 
people just hopping on other podcasts on their social media, posting themselves, OnlyFans especially, and just selling themselves off. I'd say the sadder part of it is that people buy into it. Yeah. Yeah. People pay them. And people, people, because at, at the end of the day, people are, are paying them enough that they can live comfortably off getting at least six figures a year. And there are many of them that are making sums that are much larger than that. Outrageous. And it's because people pay them. Yeah. So what does that say about society? What does that say? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, Again, what are you what are you what are you living for? You realize that that if you're an OnlyFans model, first of all, I'm praying for you and I love you, I recognize you. I myself have a porn addiction and I've seen many beautiful many beautiful women throughout my life. Clothed and unclothed, I promise. Um, especially on a screen. But I pray for you guys, and I pray for you guys the most. Only the Lord knows how much damage has been done to you because of what you guys do. And, you know, maybe you guys try and justify it and say, oh, no, this is good. You know, I make make a lot of money. But I see you for the, for the human, for the woman that you are. More than just your nude body. And your body parts. I see the soul for who you are. The love that you contain and the capacity, your capacity to love. I see all of that. And I myself apologize for all the times that I've disrespected women. Specifically in a sexual way. Because that has ruined me. That's what spun me into my depression, is realizing that as a man, I fall short. I fall so far short. And that I, I needed a miracle. I needed something much stronger than myself to even start to think that I'm worthy of being loved by a woman. And that's by the grace of God. You know, um, but again, what, what are you living for? Are you living for, are you living for money, man? You're living for money. You know, I want to talk with Andy here on, on, on this aspect, especially because we're both business partners, um, and business majors, you know, how, uh, Matt's cringing. Trying not to say any crayon jokes right now. <laughs> no idea how badly I was trying to hold myself back, okay. but he brought it up, so I blame him. Okay, all right. All right. Uh, what's your coloring uh, book, Enzo? <laughs> Did you leave any in your backpack upstairs? Or? Yeah. Andy yeah, might have an extra one under no, his bed no, if you no, ask okay. him nicely. I might. I might. So, <laughs> are you I good or, or, or it's 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 in my room, bro? There might be backup supplies too. It's I'm okay. just not sure where they it's keep. It's okay, them. bro. It's okay. I have really good scissors upstairs. <laughs> you know, there's scotch scissors. They bro, cut. You should look they at they my arts sharply. and crafts, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Any, anyways, anyways, anyways. Um, people are so consumed with money, where money is, money becomes their god. You know, I know people who can blow through. In college, of all things, but like through six hundred dollars in a weekend. Oh yeah. And 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 I ask myself, how do you, how do you do that? How do you do that at all? Like how how does one go through six hundred dollars in one weekend? And it's just because they just don't have see the value in it. But at the same time, their life is run by it because if they don't have money, they can't do what they want to do. But they just don't care about the money. It's very, it's a very interesting dichotomy because at the same time that they're so attached to the money, they're so easily willing to let go of it. So, what does that mean? What does that? Why? Yeah, I mean, and it's funny that you, you talked about that because literally last, or no, this past week, um, I think on Tuesday we were talking in our in one of our marketing classes, and 
one of my friends brought up this question about, you know, business ethics. And we were talking about, you know, okay, at what point, because, you know, whole point of our business and, you know, why we want to do business because eventually it goes down to, you know, a profit. And because you know, I'm going to get into this industry because I think, um, you know, this is what the type of product a consumer needs. And my friend goes, well, hey, what about, you know, business ethics? At what point is it too much to where you're, where you're pushing it? And the teacher goes, well, that's a great question. And you have, and she gives the example of like Taco Bell's, Chick-fil-A's, McDonald's, where they, uh, they specifically choose where they put their stores. And it was something like they put it in the, in the lower income places because they know that if they can't afford, if these families can't afford, you know, groceries for a whole week or for a whole month, at what point do they, you know, be like, all right, we'll just, we'll go to Chick-fil-A or we'll go to Taco Bell uh, and get dinner there. These, these companies, they profit so much off of that. But now, but exactly. And uh, Matt said you can't buy groceries off a of minimum wage, by the way. <laughs> In, in in the United States, you're just you're just not able to. Yeah, with 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 all the other bills and all the other things that need to be paid, it's just it, it's impossible. A minimum wage is impossible. Yeah, and so so the point is, uh, they're making all this money because they're technically like quote unquote they're doing the right thing. They found where they can make the most money, but that's that's wrong because you know they're 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 feeding families that you know, need it the most, that they need the healthiest kind of food because they don't get that kind of food all the time, guess what? Let's only give them options that have fried food and it's the most unhealthy for them and that's all they got. So, yeah, it just it goes that. It's like, sure, what, you're, you're doing these things, but why are you doing it? Like, what is your, what's your end? Yeah. And, and think about this for a second. And, and consider that, let's say you are trying to eat healthy. Uh, and now I, I've had the, the Chick-fil-A salads. They're not horrible. But you go to McDonald's and you ask for a salad. Tell me you want, you look at that lettuce and you say, oh, yes, let, I'm going to eat all of that lettuce. Scrumptious. And tell me that it's healthy because it's not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, is that I think it's so funny. I was just talking in the group chat with my old friends from, from back home and you're talking about like successful countries and like what the the good country to live in is, and they ended at Finland um, because they're a happy country, and they are. They are a happy country. Um, you know, they might not be the most economically popping or the most politically powerful, but that's because they think that their life revolves more around money and the job that they have, uh, unlike us. Yeah. Yeah. And they are significantly happier because of it. Yeah, yeah, because they don't give a damn. They don't give a damn, honestly. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, but the, it, I, I'm not saying anything about Italian government, man. Italy, I love you, I promise. Yo, I'm Italia. I promise, I yeah. promise. Um, anyways, money is is, quite frankly... First of all, I'm just going to repurpose it. Money is a tool, dude. Money is a tool for bargain. Because how it's supposed to go, how bargain is supposed to go, is if I have a pair of shoes and you need a pair of shoes, but you got a, an extra coat and I need a coat, then that's a good trade. Because I need a coat and you need some shoes. Money is the intermediary. It's a tool. Obviously, we can go basic economics, talk about needs and wants, supply, demand, all of that. But money isn't everything. Money is not everything. Again, look at Christ. Like, not just Christ. Look at some of the homeless people at your street, honestly. Look at some of the homeless people in the city. And just sit down with them, talk with them for 15 minutes. See where they're at. See where they're at. You know. And if they don't if they don't talk to you, they don't, you know, they they ask something of you, ask for money, all yada yada yada. You know. 
just say, nah, man, it's okay. Man, I just want to talk. And if, if they say, nah, nah, I don't want to talk, then it's like, all right, that's cool. You know, I, I'm going to go. I hope you have a good day. But really try and talk to one of them. You'll probably end up finding one of them that'll, that'll have a good conversation with you, try to talk life with you. And they'll seem happy. They'll seem happy. And that question is like, why? Why are they happy, man? They don't got that much. Because human life doesn't actually require you to need that much. Um, down to it, as long as you got uh, something over your head, a comfortable place to lie down, even if that's the floor, the hard floor, some clothes on your back, especially for when it's cold, the right amount of food, and the right amount of water, you're chilling. You're chilling like a villain, man. Like, that's all you need. That's all you really need to be happy. Everything else is is extra. Because happiness, for one, is a choice due to perspective, right? Like, the what I like to talk about the most when it comes down to perspective, especially perspective on certain issues, Right is a double-sided mirror, and I'm I'm gonna use this as a stretch here, and relate happiness and money with this. Right, watch. So on a or not a double-sided mirror, but a, a two-sided window, right? Where one side is a mirror and the other side's a window. Now, if there's two people looking through this uh, mirror window sort of thing, right? You got one on the mirror side, one on the window side. So you got the we'll put woman on the mirror side and the man on the window side there's that's just for the sake of ex- explanation all right there's no no deeper thought with that but if the woman is looking at the mirror or trying to look through the window on the mirror side she only sees herself she thinks it's a mirror right she's looking back at herself so she might not know that there is somebody on the other side of this window pane. She can't see him. And she doesn't know that he can see her. But the guy on the window side, he can see the woman, but he can't see himself. And he doesn't know, he wouldn't know, that the woman is looking like right at him. He wouldn't know that she doesn't know that she's actually looking at him. So in essence, they kind of both have a little sense of ignorance there. Right? Now, is on the mirror side happiness, is on the window side. Because happiness, you can choose to see money from the side where you can see through, where you can see transparently. Money, money tries to see happiness, but when it looks itself in the mirror, it only sees money. It doesn't see happiness. It doesn't know that happiness is trying to see it. And happiness doesn't know that money can't see it. That's why money and happiness don't equate. You need need money to live. Like, that's it's a tool. In this day and age, it is a necessity. It's like Matt was saying earlier, like, you can't live on minimum wage. Certainly can't live off of McDonald's and Chick-fil-A for your whole life. It's just not going to work. By the way, it is... It's cheaper to meal prep and healthier and probably tastes a lot better. Ah, but there's that. Yeah, no, that is true. That is true. That is true. On on minimum. Sorry, I was far away from the mic there. Uh, I was just saying is that there there is like there is no way to even meal prep because you if you can't even afford the groceries to make a meal, how are you supposed to meal prep ahead of time? Yeah, no, no, for sure. That's the end of the day because 
you know, you can get, you, it's just price. It's no, no, what do you make? And especially 100%. when it comes to the point where you've got families who are, have two parents who are working minimum wage jobs and trying to support four kids. Oh yeah. How do you make that work? Yeah. What do you do? Yeah. I think, I mean, at that point you just, you really have to trust. I, I think this is my, this is my opinion on this is that, um, you got to ask for help because there are people who are willing to help. I think a lot of, um, a friend here, focused missionary here, uh, Ignacio, he, uh, he says that people are very willing to give. They just have nowhere, no place to give, but they're willing to give. The problem is, is that there's no trust in where to give because how do you trust where your money is going to go? Yeah. Because look at no, the media, absolutely. look at how many times you've seen all absolutely. these donations, you put money in somewhere and it disappears. So. Yeah, no, but I mean, there, but there are trusted places to go to. Like I like, I love going to the food bank, bro. You know, the food bank is one of my favorite places to be, you know, and it's not, it's not a place where like, oh man, I'm like super hungry. It'll make you super hungry because it's a lot of work but you feel super satisfied because you're just working and it feels, you know, you're just working the, like, like the chain, but you're feeding families. You're feeding families that need help the most. Um, you know, places like that, um, your church, donating to your church, especially in second collections, you know, um, specifically that's a mess, but, you know, for, for other Christian denominations, like donating to your church, sitting down with your pastor, sitting down with the faculty and talking about where does this food, where did, where does this food? Yeah. If it's food or clothes or toys money, you know, or, money. or money or anything like it really doesn't matter. Whatever you're giving, you deserve to know where it's going. Absolutely. And talking about, all right, like how can I help? How can I help? What can I do to reach out to these people? You know, to, to, to help them, you know, because I'll tell you, I'll tell you what's more valuable to, um, what's more valuable to just the core family than food and, you know, drink is food and drink with company, you know, having your presence there makes a big difference. Makes them feel loved. And again, that's the important thing. And of course, there's the risk of, of being hurt. Like like uh, Matt mentioned from, from C.S. Lewis earlier, and I'm sure y'all heard me yell out. <laughs> but it's because I love that quote so much. Um, the Oh Hellos, you know, this, their song, Hello My Old Heart, is, is, is based on that quote. Um, and it talks about, you know, a heart from the past that was so scared to be put out, so scared to, to step forward and to take a risk, was so scared to take a risk. But if you're scared to take risks, you're not going to get anywhere. You know, we talk about the gospel of the talents. You know, one servant had, there was, what, three, four servants, three? There's three. One came back with five. One came back with ten. And one buried it. And he said, the one that buried it said, look, master, I buried it because I was scared to lose it. And he's like, oh, uh, you would think that, like, yeah, that's kind of a logical thing to do. But the master was upset at him because he didn't do anything. He didn't do anything with it. He was very disappointed in him. He was, he was very mad at him. And that's the thing. Jalen Ramsey himself, right, which on the field you can say, not the most Christian man. I mean... Will I agree? Will I disagree? I don't know. I'll say I love him. Especially because he said God gave me such gifts and such talent. It would be, a, it would, it would be against his will for me not to use it. The gifts that, that you, you have been given in your life, 
regardless of whether you believe in God or not. Just as you were truly made, as you, were tr- as you truly came out your mother's womb, the gifts that you have and the qualities that you have were made to be used, not to be covered and not to be changed. They're made to shine. And they shine on their own. Only if you let them. Only if you let them. And that's how, that's how love operates. That's how love operates. Love, love uh, again, not to speak too much on it, because I don't want to take away too much of the, the episode on love. That's going to be I, an amazing episode. Um, but love is defined in the catechism as um, willing the good of the other, right? But if it's to will, that means it's a choice. That means you have to choose to love. And if you're called to love, if you're called to love yourself as well, you have to choose what's good for your own self. Yeah, no, I just want to add because that that parable that you give, like literally since I was a kid, favorite probably gospel passage of all time for me. And... It just goes to... I would also like to concur that that has also been one of my favorite gospel passages since it, the time I was like 10. Literally just the best one. And I just, I love the explanation. Shout out Zach Sobiek. <laughs> I think that's how you say his last name. Yeah. Auth- uh, Artist of Clouds. That's, I, I love him for that. God yeah. bless your soul, man. And it's just, it's the idea that with what you're given, it's a responsibility to to do something with it. And at, I honestly can't even remember where... This quote comes from, I think it comes from some sometime later in one of the Gospels, but Jesus goes and, and he says, um, for those who have and do not give, even what they do have will be taken away. And for those who do not have, but still with what they do and they choose to give it away, then the reward is just out of this world. You know, so I... I think that's probably one of the coolest things ever that you can take and apply to anything in life. Absolutely. And honestly, that just got me thinking about, uh, I, was, I was at a father-son camp, actually, with Father Vin was there, Father Vin fam was there again, but this, this uh, homily, or this talk was done by uh, Father Vito. And I remember Father Vito was doing a talk, and I'm going to be honest, Father, there's not much I do remember, but there is one line that I do remember. Now, I can say this because Father Vito has told me on multiple occasions that the purpose of a talk is for them to remember one line or one moment or one important message. And I would like to think that Father did, did do a good job there because there is one line that I remember from that talk. And it was that God didn't call you to be good. He called you to be better. That's it right there. It's true. It's facts. Like it's, it's true. It's, it's just that idea of going back to the parable with what you have, with what you're given, I mean, only when it's applied is that it's doubled. Uh. And it's just, it's funny because, you know, as a kid, they'd say, like, they were given a talent. And I was like, okay, just like we're all given talents. But, and back then it was all about money, but I was like, this is totally about... <laughs> it's the same thing. It's the same, it is. It's it is. The same it's the same thing. And that's exactly how I thought of it as a kid, and it's still honestly how I think about it now. It's like, what gifts are we given? So, okay, what am I going to do about it? Mm. I can't just... The second I, I make it stagnant and choose to keep it for myself, it's that same idea of it's no longer love but self-love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, kind of to just bring this one home, like, I mean, I think these boys know I am a diehard Kobe Bryant fan, diehard, diehard Laker, shout out Laker Nation, I know, we're on the, we're on the come up, <laughs> we're on, hey, mister, I don't follow the NBA over here, anyways, I just had to giggle, man. Okay. It's too, too, it's too easy. Hey, no. Hey, LeBron, LeBron, top scorer. Anyways, um, Kobe Bryant gave me a motto that I put on everything. It's a promise that I've made um, to myself. 
and among the many quotes that he's had or whatnot. He said, you wake up today to be better today than you were yesterday. Wake up today to be better today than you were yesterday. And that promise that I made is that I will be better. And that's, like Father said, that's, that's, all, that's all God asks. Because if our goal is to be in heaven, then our goal is to be perfected. And if we're going to be perfected, then man, we got to get better. And we're, we're losing time. We're losing time. The hard part is that we live in a world that, does, that wants to take more of our time away. You know, kind of like the casino in, uh, in uh, Percy Jackson. <laughs> Trying to waste your time there and speed up time because the, the, the pleasures feel so nice. Um, before you know it, well, what feels like four days in the casino is actually two weeks real time. And I, I don't know if that's right. I haven't read Percy Jackson since middle school. It's been me. quite a while for most yeah. of us. <laughs> but in a world that lives like that, we how we gotta focus. We gotta zone in. Like my boy Bradley says, met him at Seek. He's down in Alabama. Um, we gotta lock in. We don't have time. We have to lock in because ain't nothing guaranteed tomorrow. Except the fact that tomorrow ain't guaranteed. Ain't nothing guaranteed. Except the fact that we're running out of time. Time is limited. And that way time is money. But if time is money, then time is also a tool. And you have to utilize it right. You have to utilize it right. And you have to do it by getting better. Because if you ain't getting better, then what are you doing? Vanity of vanities. Everything is vanity. There's a point in your life where you look at yourself and you say, I'm doing great and I have no improvements that I need to make. You are lying to yourself and you need to ask yourself what is wrong with you. If, if that was the case that you say that I'm, I'm perfect, you would be dead, actually. Not even just perfect, but to tell yourself, no, I'm, I'm good. I don't think I have anything else I should yeah. work on right now. Really? Can you honestly say that to yourself? Can you honestly say that to yourself? Looking yourself in the eyes and saying, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. That's lazy. That's, that's unfair to yourself. That's unfair to yourself. Because you're not even holding yourself accountable. And right there, it's self-accountability is, is where you need to start. And if you can't have that, then you got nothing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just... Again, just just to bring it home before we talk about a couple more housekeeping things. Just going back to, to that Kobe quote. <clears throat> you know, for me, he's my GOAT. He's my GOAT. He's the greatest basketball player in my head. I'm not going to say that he is said greatest because I know that is a pretty controversial topic. Um, but for me, he is because he's everything that I want to be. As an athlete, as a man, a man of faith, yeah, he made mistakes and he recognizes that in his game um, that he had zero, almost zero points and dropped like, what, 50 and one half on Tracy McGrady's head, you know, at halftime. This was after he was found cheating. Um, he was in the locker room and he said, damn, I, might, I may have lost everything. I may have lost, uh, you know, my family, my my house, you know, my the trust of my team, the trust of my friends. But I'd be damned if I lost basketball. At the man's lowest point, one of his lowest points in his career, he found one way to just be better. And he wasn't just better. T-Mac likes to think that he credits himself with helping create what was the Black Mamba. That's what better is. That's what better is. Being better than who you were yesterday. Because if you're not better than who you were yesterday, you will not be happy with yourself. 
because as humans, we like to see progression. And without that progression, we just, what's the point? What's the point? So with that, um, that's the end of episode one. Um, we appreciate you guys listening. We love y'all. And we see y'all. Um, we know Lent started this past Wednesday. And want you guys to know that um, whether you're giving anything up or, you know, anything that you're really doing for Lent, you guys are in our prayers. Um, there will be an episode about Lent, um, probably closing in on Easter around that time. But for now, um, we have you guys in our thoughts and in our prayers. Um, and yeah, just keeping up with the, uh, keeping up with the Instagram, you know? Yeah. So we're really excited, you know, Instagram account out there. Um, there you can see different announcements, different links to check out, uh, where you can listen to these new episodes that are coming out weekly. Um, so you can just go check out Salt Light City 513. Um, so yeah, just check it out. You can, you know, maybe get to lo- get to know uh, our team a little bit, kind of figure out why we're kind of doing this based off of, you know, what we've been talking about uh, in these last two episodes. So yeah, we're super excited. Definitely keep us in your prayers. Um, check it out and, you know, share, share it with your friends. You know, maybe you know someone that you think could totally benefit from this because you know that's that's all we want you know um so if you definitely think of anyone send it over to them there you can find a ton of different uh links to for uh for listening in different uh platforms for sure i mean that's 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 the goal here right is like uh we want you guys to to share this with other people and not for the sake of the popularity of the podcast but we know that i mean i was editing when I was editing episode one, there was things that I heard and like really even just resonated with, with my own self. When I listened back to it, I'm like, wow, like that's pretty good. You know, <laughs> like I, I know, and I'm like I don't mean to sound like gassed up, but I mean, there's things that like Matt said that really hit me, things that Andy said that really hit me. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's like they said, um, it's just that one, that one thing, that one thing that someone needs to hear. So, we appreciate you guys, and we hope you guys have have an excellent weekend. We'll see you later. Peace.